Welcome back. I'm Shahida Kali and I'm speaking with Margaret Fulton of FAMSA. She is a family mediator and registered counsellor and our focus will be on divorce mediation. We're hoping to have a four-part series of which, you know, this will be the first part. So, Margaret, good evening and welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you, Shahida. Good evening. So I'd like to ask perhaps, Margaret, to start with, again, just give us an overview of the types of services that FAMSA offers. Okay. Well, FAMSA offers um, offers mediation services, Mm -hmm. as you've introduced me for, but also counselling in fields such as, as areas such as bereavement, marriage counseling couple actually couple counseling for all types of couples mm-hmm. uh, pair, uh, family counseling fa- counseling for families counseling for different members of the family together mothers and children fathers and children um, domestic violence we have a group of, of men stopping violence which also deals with, uh, it's a um, a group for men who come either voluntarily or via the courts, and they deal with stopping violence, stopping the domestic violence in their homes. Um, Yeah, I suppose they would be called the perpetrators. There are obviously counselling services also for the survivors of domestic violence, I would say, rather than call them victims. And... And then, of course, your step families. Oh, blended, blended families. families. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I think, I mean, I think it's great. What what one clearly gets from about FAMSA is that they work with the family um, and different components and different issues around family. Yes, I think that would probably be the be, be the best way of describing it. Yeah. So, so perhaps to give us a little bit of background in terms of divorce mediation, when did it come about? This is well. I mean, I I haven't been in touch with FAMSA for a while. But this is one of your younger programs that you do run. Yes, um, although it did start in the early 90s. Actually, um, I don't know if you've heard of FAMAC. FAMAC is the umbrella organization for family mediators in the Cape. Okay. And one of the the social workers at FAMSA in the early 90s brought out one of the gurus of, at that time, one of the gurus of mediation from England, John Haynes. Yes. And she, she brought him out to train the uh, social workers at FAMSA mm-hmm. to be mediators. Okay. And then broke away from FAMSA to form FAMAC. Okay. And so, yes, mediation started at FAMSA many A years ago, ago, about 25 years ago. Yes, and there have been dips and the services did peter out a bit. There wasn't such a need for it. It's something still quite new yeah. in South Africa. It's been going in America and England since the, the late 70s. Okay. But it still is quite new in South Africa. I think the public is still quite unaware of what is available for them and what they could do with it. I don't yeah. know if they know too much about mediation. Yeah. And so that's also part of what, what I would like to do at FAMSA is to raise the profile of mediation and to make people more aware of, of their options when they decide to separate. Okay, and so perhaps that's a good place to start. Perhaps we should speak about what mediation uh, tries to address and tries to do. Perhaps we should start there. Okay, uh, well, the way <coughs> I see it, uh, mediation is a 
a divorce mediation. It is a way for the, the couple who are planning to divorce, planning to separate, planning to dismantle their relationship, a way for them to do it in a calm, thought-through, sensitive way. And where they make the where they make most of the decisions, and they make them together. They don't argue as such. Well, they argue with the aim of a resolution that they're both happy about. Too many times in conflict situations, which land up in litigation in court, the situation is a win lose. You win, I lose. Yeah. I win, you lose. Yes, but. Hopefully, in mediation, there will be a win-win situation. And I like to think of it as a win-win situation, not only for the couple, but for the whole family, mm -hmm. because it's something that's a, a big disruption for everybody. Yeah. And it's a, it can be handled in a way that everybody can get through it eventually and land up on the other side in one piece. I think because divorce is so, you know, prevalent, I would imagine this is this is really huge. It's it can be so beneficial because um, having divorce mediation can can kind of protect the family in the period of divorce. And because so many families go through it, just think it's a fantastic way of addressing the divorce situation. Yes, it is a wonderful way. It, actually, I was just thinking as you were talking, I said, yes, the, the life, life is disrupted. The family, yes, is disrupted in the form that it is. But one of the, the things I like to think about mediation doing is that it helps the parents restructure the family. Yes, it's a different structure, but it's still the family. I think it's stunning to actually think of it that way. It's also, it also almost feels like it's a, it's a better way it's a truus, it's a truus of yes. Swadan to dunk. If you're thinking of, you know, we're going to have a different structure, but ultimately we can still hold on to the idea that we still have family. Yes, I, I think that, that we must, and we must aim to do that. It's a lot of people would say, well, oh, that's very idealistic. Yeah. But I think that the higher we aim, the better it is for the process. Yeah, I think it's really great. So to ask, at what stages, if we're looking and, and our listeners are listening, so someone could be identifying themselves to want to be a part of such a process. Is there a particular stage where people come into divorce mediation or can you actually pick them up at any stage of their process? Um, I, I, I tend to think that I could pick them up at any stage, but that's also because I'm a counsellor as mm -hmm. well as being a mediator. So yeah. if they needed counselling, um, and they were tending towards repairing the relationship and not dismantling it, then that's something that I could help them with and guide them. But that's just because I'm a counsellor as well. If they went to a mediator who wasn't a counsellor, perhaps they would prefer to refer them to counselling where they could decide what to do and then come back to mediation, which is formally dismantling of the marital estate okay okay um i can you know because my thoughts went to there are so i'm a clinical psychologist mm -hmm. myself oh. and when i see people 
or I have seen people who would come to me, you know, already in their process of divorce. And, you know, when they sit in front of you, then you really, as they interact with each other, you kind of feel these people shouldn't be getting divorced. You know, they might just love each other so much and there's just a difficulty that they cannot, you know, breach or so. So do you sometimes, have you in your work found that? When you found you want to kind of suggest that maybe they need a little bit more counselling or something? Well, perhaps, uh, yes. I try not to express my opinion, Eva. I yeah. mean, it's not my, my business to do that. Yeah. But perhaps I would ask them a question. I would say, have you thought of this? Is, this? is there something else you haven't explored? Or ask them what they're thinking of. Or maybe even comment that I'm hearing... Uh, da, 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 whatever yeah. it is, yeah. could it be? Yeah. And see what they reply. You yeah. know, see where uh, I suppose to prompt them in a way to think. Yeah, yeah. And I, th I think that is so great when one does that because I think there are times when it will be needed, when uh, when people need your help or the help of the professional to kind of let them explore um, areas that they might not have allowed themselves so to, to do at the time. Ab ab absolutely. Yeah. So I suppose that is part of part of the job. I like to think that it's part of the job. Yeah. Strictly speaking, as I said, mediation doesn't allow for that, but I suppose yeah. we can make space for it. Yeah. <laughs> the human process, you yes, know. Absolutely. So we need to adapt. <laughs> we need to adapt. So, so coming back to um, when people then come into mediation and like you say, it's the dismantling of the marriage, um, is there a particular structure? How do, where do you start? How do you start? Well, as I, um, the first session that I, that I have with them, I usually ask them questions about how, what they want, how they see the future, what they're planning, what they need, and to actually give them an opportunity, hopefully give them the space also to think about what they're going to do. I don't know if everybody thinks about it. Mm -hmm. You know, they're almost automatic reactions to feelings that they have. Uh, this is what you do and this is how you solve, or, you know, solve the problem. Yeah. And they don't think everything through. So I like to give them a, a space and a chance to think about things. Then I, that's, so that will be the first session. Then the second session, I usually give them to choose. I explain to them what what mediation what the mediation's about, what we need to do, and it consists of two parts generally, and that's the division of the marital estate and deciding how they're going to parent if they're not going to be together. And they almost, as I said, the restructuring of the family relationships, and and then I say to them, well, where would you like to start? I think traditionally, again, traditionally people start with the um, the finances, and that's you know that's fine. It depends on on the couple and what they find most important for them to deal with. Yeah, it's interesting, uh, you know, when you say that usually or very often people will start with the finances, um, and and often you know driven by fear and anxiety and anger and and those types of feeling that i've been cheated out of or i could be cheated out of things or concerns that people have but i'd like us to come you know to continue with the process of mediation particularly looking at um your thoughts that would go into the division of the mar uh, marital estate and then parenting how that will be done and then the restructuring of the 
of the family. So we continue with our discussion and I'm speaking with Margaret Fulton. She's from FAMSA. She's a family mediator and a registered counsellor. And so just before the break, we, you know, Margaret explained that mediation will, for the most part, start with the first step or focus would be division of marital estate. The second would be looking at how will we parent. And then thirdly, the restructuring of the family. And I, yeah, so so we'll, we'll kind of keep it there and we can grow the conversation as we go along. So I'd like to go back to Margaret. Margaret, in terms of the division of the marital estate, what does that mean? Okay, well, I'm sure your listeners have heard of how people are married, the regime that they're married under. There's the, they're either with an antinuptial contract in community of property. Well, the first one, the antinuptial contract can be with accrual or without accrual. So now I'll start from the, the most common, which is if you don't specify, according to the law of South Africa, you get married with an accrual. In community of property, mm -hmm. and that means that when you decide you don't want to be married anymore, you split your your assets and your liabilities fifty fifty. Okay. And on that, can I just stop you for a minute and say, said, uh, earlier on there was a message, a question on the uh, WhatsApp uh, messages that we received, mm -hmm. and this husband or this lady, I think it was the lady who sent in the message, and she said they'd been divorced six years ago already and uh, they were they are married in community of property and they now have to look at selling the house which is the immovable property and her husband her ex-husband believes that she does not have a share in that and the response was if you married in community of property it means whatever you have has to be yes. divided half off yes Okay, that's so, so that's how you would, yes, you would. respond. Um, yes, whatever they have when they split up, yeah. that must be divided 50-50. Okay. And that's their immovable assets as well as their immovable assets and also their liabilities. Okay, yeah. And uh, then you have antinuptial contract with accrual. That is anything that is accrued after the marriage. Mm -hmm. That is split 50-50. And now for most people, again, that would be very similar to in community of property because they don't really start with much. Yeah. And, and so then what they accrue is everything that they have mm -hmm. or m most of what they have. What is, um, for some people though, the antinuptial contract, which is mentioned in that title, it is a, a contract which states what each party came into the marriage with yeah. and which perhaps is excluded from the marital estate which has accrued since they were married okay. so those things are t that those amounts that are calculated and are taken off the the value of well not well let's say not taken off but not added to the, the value of the yes, estate yes yes the, the estate that so the part the, that now needs to be divided yes and um without accrual is well what you come in with you take with you what I come in with I take with me and we don't owe each other anything okay so there's no shared uh, estate if the if it is with them um, without accrual with without the accrual yeah 
Okay, and and so I, I think this discussion is so important in terms of when people get married that they must understand this because I think at di the point of divorce is when very often people say, but I didn't intend that, I didn't know that, I didn't understand that. Do you find that? Yes, no, often. Uh even even contracts that they sign, they 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 feel that somehow they don't have to stick to them, yeah. or they don't they're not obligated to stick to them because they didn't know what they were doing and they just wanted to get the say the divorce say it's a divorce contract just wanted to get it over with so I signed it but I didn't really agree. Yeah, yeah. And and, and the importance that you will then say to people once you've signed the contract and it's a legal document with its witnesses etc that it's a legal document. That's right. You can't change your mind. Well, sometimes you can, but you know, you you can't just treat it as a trivial event. Yeah, it's an important thing. What I thought was very important, also that we can speak about, um, Margaret, is when someone uh, there was a couple and they were married, and then they got divorced, but the division of the estate was not done before the the person one of the so let's say couple was married one of the partners died let's say the husband died the wife then gets married before the division of the estate the new husband contributes to the property it's just so important that people realize in the first marriage was community of property which means ultimately that property remains in the community of property estate of the first marriage. So even if the second person added these intric legal intricacies, what I'm really wanting to allude to is when you get married, you should make sure that the first estate has been wound up and, and dealt with. Yeah, you know, uh, no, absolutely, because as you say, the intricacies come along and then you have big problems which need untangling. Yeah, because very often the new a, a person in the marriage adds a lot of value to the property but then he doesn't or she doesn't own that she owns only the half of the half of the new marriage because the first half of that property goes to the deceased spouse's estate I've I've had a case Have like had, that mm -hmm. yeah and I just think again people think no morally people will do the correct thing this has nothing to do with moral obligation it's about the legal process that needs to follow through yeah, but i think that 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 is one of the difficulties as a mediator that i come across is that marriage is not just a legal contract it's uh, it's all, all about that i can see yes it has some legal aspects it has some material aspects but it's all about the feelings that people have for one another, what the dreams that they have for the future, the way they see themselves. And when people fall in love, particularly when they fall in love in the beginning and they, and yeah. they get married initially, yeah. they don't want to think yeah. of the material and the legal. And it's yeah. no. Yeah. As you said, of course he or she will do the right thing. We love one another. Absolutely. Absolutely. And my goodness, it comes back to bite you. I mean, one of the things, the arguments of this particular case that I was thinking of was that the, the new spouse kept on saying, I wouldn't have believed that she would do that to me. I wouldn't have believed it because morally I saw her as, a, as an upright uh, a, 
person. So we know that, you know, uh, uh, very often at the point of divorce, this does not play itself out as ease. Would you advise that people are clear about the legal part of the contract when they get married? Yes, I, yes, I would. No, at least that they should know what to do about it or what it's about. You know, if, the, if it's community property, what does that mean? If it's anti-nuptial contract with accrual, what does that mean? Yeah. What will happen? I, again, the emotions that are floating around at the time of marriage don't really allow for us to think of those mundane, trivial, material things. Yeah. But perhaps to be wise and to save ourselves pain in the future yeah but we don't want to also we don't want to think that this marriage will ever that's end it oh, yeah. that's not going to happen of course not that's not yeah. what you think at all when you get married it's a yeah. it's a difficult one but i would i would advise yes at least know what you're getting into be an aware person yeah i i would absolutely advise that too so now when you're looking at these divisions and we we looked at three basically three regimes of ways of being married but then you have in our community people who are married by customary marriage and have not formalized it in the South African court mm -hmm. of law um, how do you have those cases how do you deal with them where there's really a question of how are we going to divide the marital estate you know and there isn't a formalized uh, contract in place okay well as far as the the religious marriages are concerned I what I try and do is to approach it in terms of well this is this is what the law says but you don't have to follow the law what would you like what would you like to do with your estate and how would you like to divide it? And I usually then start with the home because that is something which has children connected to it. It has another, a very special role in the family's life. Yeah. And so then we talk about what they want to do, how they want to live, who's going to live there, do they want to sell it, what do they want to do? It's their marriage. I really am very keen on on urging people to do their, their own, you know, yeah. dismantling of the relationship. It's, I'm just there to take notes and, and guide them, but it's their relationship. Yeah. Do you find at this stage of the mediation process, and uh, let's say it's a, a religious marriage, and so um, unfolding now is going to be a new agreement. Do you find that people would be keen to formalize the new agreement instead of it again being all based on a verbal agreement? Um, no, I, I, I don't know if they're keen or not. I would advise that they formalize it, that they even formalize their own agreement, that they know what it is. It's their black and white. And if there are changes they want to make, we can make changes. That's fine. But at least that they know what they have thought and spoken about yeah I you know and I think it, it is so recommended to formalize the agreement as you've as you've said so one one has to be keen on and people need to think about that because the difficult the emotional side of the process could be today I've agreed to do XYZ two months down the line something happens mm -hmm. and I think I'm going to change my mind do you have people coming back into the process with that type of thing of I've changed my mind I don't want to do that anymore um, well before before it's actually formalized in court 
Yes, often. And then we just, well, then we discuss it again. And then the negotiations are open again. Yeah. So do you take your the negotiations once they reach a de- decision point? Does it get formalized in court? Is that part of your process? Well, that's it. I don't do that because yeah. only a lawyer can actually put the papers through, can okay. put in an application for divorce, or you can go through the divorce court in whatever area you live. So I get to um, I get to the end of drawing up what they call the consent paper okay. or a memorandum of understanding, yeah. which outlines the division of the assets and the liabilities, and the, they now call it a family plan. I think okay. they're starting to call it a family plan, which is very nice. Okay. And I give it to them, and they take it to either their lawyer or the the court, and that forms the basis of the divorce order with the consent paper yes that's wonderful so so i'd like to go back to this consent paper or the family plan would that plan and we get to the the next uh, focus that you'd said um how will we parent will custody agreements in regard to the children also be a part of this consent paper yes that's part of what what i call the, the family plan or the parenting plan okay yes and and you know, perhaps just to speak with us about what are the types of things uh, and issues um, that people need to be aware of that um, is implicated in the whole divorce process in terms of the children, the custody of the children, the living arrangements, etc. Please share with us. Okay. Um, well, I'm just going to then go through what the parenting plan would consist of. Okay. That'll help. It consists of three parts, and now those terms, custody, um, I think the other one was access, those are no longer in use anymore. Okay. They and are new terms uh, since we have a new Children's Act, yeah. which came into full use in about 2010. Mm-hmm. And so now access is called contact. Okay. And then the parents will decide how the children are going to share their time. I think at, at this stage it's probably very important to, to also to point out that the whole focus of uh, the children, the, the family plan, is different from what it used to be. And now it's from the children's perspective. And the philosophy underlying it is that the children have a right to a good relationship with both parents. And it's now up to the parents, who are the adults, to figure out how that's going to happen. Okay. So the contact is no longer alternate weekends and one day a week. So the father, say, hardly sees his children. Yeah. It, uh, what is very popular is one week, one week with mother, one week with father. Uh, some, one family I know, they even had two weeks. The children were much older, so they yeah. could do this two weeks with uh, father two weeks with mother yeah and some so have split weeks but it's yeah. you know it's whatever you want yeah and <laughs> and that would probably sort under joint custody is that what it's called these days no it, it's um is, well is parenting is parenting is shared Okay, so the parent has parenting. a yes, a, a, a child has a, a right to a relationship with both parents. Okay, all right. So it's very interesting because I think these these uh, words that were used probably is very helpful to have taken it to different use of words. It feels different. It almost feels more like the family. Yes, well, it? it's supposed to, and I suppose that's what we're working towards, and hopefully going to get there. 
Yeah. And so we need to take commercial news when we come back. We'll talk more about the uh, shared family, um, you know, and how that works and what that feels like and perhaps some of your experience in regard to putting that in place. We are starting our series, a four-part series that will focus on divorce mediation. But before we go back to that discussion, there's been a question um, from a caller who wants to know, uh, what was the percentage quoted as the return on the investment um, that we were speaking about? So we were speaking about tax-free savings um, investments. The bank, and I was speaking with our Baraka Bank, did not mention the growth on your investment. So that is something that you have to find out from the bank when you contact them. I asked the question of whether that growth is connected to or attached to your profile with them. Can you negotiate the, uh, the, the growth on the money that you're investing? And they said to me, no, it's a fixed amount. So that amount you have to get from them. I hope I answered your question. So coming back to our discussion on divorce uh, mediation. So just to go back to the shared uh, family, uh, the shared parenting where the child would either live a week by mom, a week by dad, two weeks by mom, two weeks by dad, depending on the age of the child. Just your thoughts in terms of how does that or what advice does one give to people who might be considering that in terms of logistics? I mean, the school, the creche, you know, that the child would, would go to, even the madrasa. I've got a mm -hmm. case at the moment that I'm working on, and the children are with the mom some of the time who lives quite far from the madrasa, and dad has a problem with that. You know, because dad is saying that the children need to have the religious instruction as well. So just your thoughts on your guidance you would give, you know, at, in, at those times. Mm. Well, I, I think the, the first thing that I would mention is that it's really, really important for the children to disrupt their routine as little as possible. They need to feel safe. This is a huge uh, disruption for them. The, falling apart of the family yeah. and so if there's few disruptions as possible to their routine that's the best way to go mm -hmm. so that would be well them staying in the same school perhaps mom and dad living near one another so that the children can stay at the same school not be far away and that mom and dad can still be at ease with the activities that they want the children yeah. to do as well yeah and I, I think that is just so great mentioning that because very often you'll have um, extramural activities mom and dad would be great if mom and dad both attend Could both do, do, you, do you discuss those types uh, of issues oh, definitely definitely I think that that's a very important part of the discussion yes okay uh, of the mediation discussion parenting yes parenting though is not just the old custody and the old access it's not just that it's what what's going to happen to your children when they're not with you mm -hmm. um, so talk about it you know mom and dad talk about what you're going to do how you're going to discipline them maybe they're things that what you want and he, and you want mom you want and dad doesn't want yeah. maybe things that he wants and you don't want talk about it mm -hmm. nutrition how to manage the new age digital devices, the tablet and the computer and the internet, how to manage that. So school activities, school functions, what are you going to do? Who's going to go? Who's not going to go? How are you going to do it? Mm -hmm. And yes, we have discussions about all that. Look, a lot of it isn't going to go into that consent paper. Yeah. 
the, into the divorce order. But I feel it's very, very important. This, the family's changing, changing shape. And children need their parents to help them go through the, through the transition. Yeah. Parents need each other to go through the transition as parents. Yeah. So, I, yes, I think it's very important to discuss these things. What I, what I often find very useful is when parents can think of themselves as divorcing as individuals, but not divorcing as parents, that they still... The you know the the subsystem of parents for these children, though they are no longer married as individuals. Yes, no, that's absolutely crucial. I would say that's one of the issues that is probably paramount in all our minds in in the whole world. And quite a few of my colleagues all over the world are working on preparing couples for personally breaking up their relationship, yet still remaining parents. So they have to transition from being intimate partners to being parents. Yeah. And it's a different bond yeah. which they have to form. So there's a lot of research going on at the moment, new programs. It's a very, very crucial point. Yeah. And and I think, you know, when, when, when people, I think it just brings us to the importance of having divorce mediation. I mean, we've touched on one or two of the points that are important, but my goodness there would be hundreds more specific to their situation but how important mediation would be or how how helpful mediation would be when they go into this life-changing event of theirs yes I actually I just want to bring in a point about that because mm-hmm. we have spoken a bit about the legal the legal aspects and as as I said I'm not a I'm not a lawyer but what we do often do is co-mediate a lawyer and say a counsellor. We're both mediators and the process is different from from a, a legal divorce. It's a mediated divorce. Yeah. But the legal person, the lawyer, has the knowledge that I don't have, for example, about the division of assets and what's accrued and what's counted and excluded and what isn't. Yeah. And there if there is any doubt, I don't, I don't put down anything that I don't know in the agreement. So then I will call a co-mediator and we'll co-mediate those issues. I think it's great to have a co-mediator because you, you, you're right. Very often you're sitting with questions or issues and you know that, okay, I'm not able to answer the legal answers, you know, and vice versa, the legal person could not be, you know, might not be able to answer the mm-hmm. questions or, or the family the process. Yes, or, or understand the emotional issues involved yeah. as yeah. well as I So yes, so that we, do, we try and do that as much as possible. It's one of the favoured models of mediation. Okay. But uh, unfortunately, it's also costly because then it's twice the fee, although at, at FAMSA, we have a different model. And I think it brings us, you know, I I could ask about the costs, but there's just something I'd like to respond to is I've received a message in which the person asked uh, whether there is going to be, you know, a time in which they could ask a question and you're welcome to send in a question. There are also, whilst I'm speaking about messages that are coming through, I would like to implore, ask um you know really in a big way for people not to send messages that are that are not uh, pertaining to the program um you know lots of different examples i can give but i don't even want to go there also your messages in terms of the prisoners are where if you can please hold that back because it makes it very difficult for me i'm in a discussion with my guests and i'm trying to work through which 
uh, of the messages do I actually um, open so that I can respond to it. I, I cannot open uh, messages that are not for me that's actually unnecessary for me to receive at this stage if you if you uh, will please understand that so I've gotten some response and again you know the the question is I yeah and I think it's not for this program I and I'm, I'm urging you please send me messages on the whatsapp line that has direct um, relation to the program and discussion that we're having. It's highly confusing if we're having all of these messages coming through. So there is a question that has come through and, and let me just read it for a moment. It says, I'm a 26 year old male. My lady friend are uh, expecting a baby and am I obligated to marry her as soon as possible? I'm currently unemployed even though I want to marry her. Or can I wait until I can provide for her financially? So, so in a way, I want to say that this is probably a question that would have been directed at VOC's SOS helpline and not pertaining to the, the particular discussion that we're having. I'm going to hold that question until about, goodness, about in five minutes' time. Then I'm going to respond to that question. I am speaking with Margaret Fulton who is from FAMSA. She is a family mediator as well as a registered counsellor. Now we've been speaking about different aspects of the process of divorce mediation. We're still discussing shared parenting. What are your thoughts when a family who decide on its older children, we can have the children one month with the mom and one month with the dad. What would be some of the things that would come up in this discussion that you might want to alert them to? If it's the bigger, the bigger uh, uh, chunks of separation almost. Um, I would say, especially if the children are older, say if they're more in the teenage age, yeah, yeah. I would say give your children lots of space to speak and express their opinions, listen to them, listen a lot to them. I would say actually uh, don't formalize any living arrangements. Yeah. Hear from them what they would like and, and what will be comfortable for them. Hey. Yes. Yeah, because sometimes they go and they live it, they live the, perhaps the agreement and then they feel but it doesn't quite work the way I'd like to. What interests me is when you have children of different ages in one family which is normal and could one have different arrangements for the different children of different ages yeah yes you can i i i, I ha for example the older children decide where they want to go what they want to do maybe one weekend they want to go away with their friends and they don't want to spend time with their mother yeah you know what is something like that so that they be the guide for their arrangements mm -hmm. and have more fixed arrangements for the little children yeah and I, th I think it's great when parents open their minds up to there can be the different arrangements for the different children because of course the needs of these children are very are, are different. different yes absolutely yeah. yeah but you know what I, I really I'm I'm absolutely buying into and even more so into the process of divorce mediation what are of the other um, aspects of 
particularly the shared parenting that we need to look at as well as part of the broader structure of what we'll speak more about in our in our next programs when we're hoping that people will be asking more questions about it. A, a point that stands out for me is what if there is a new person coming into the relationship of one of the parents? Okay, well that that is something that I like to discuss as well. How they, so how each of them feel it should be handled. Um, and an agreement to be reached, for example, only introduce them once it becomes serious or don't bring them home, don't let, I don't want the children seeing a, a stranger sleeping over. Yeah. Um, and they talk about it, what could happen. Uh, it's not easy and I don't, I don't like to force because it is an emotional issue. Yeah. And I want people to feel safe and that they can talk about it and they do. And they express to each other how they feel. And I try as much as possible to focus them on how their children are going to feel and that that's what they taking into account and they're discussing. Well, I, I think it's great. I think also I'd like us because we, we really at the end of our program, a thought that I'd like to, um, to leave with our listeners and also for ourselves to contemplate in, you know, in regard to our new, our next discussion is when there is manipulation in regard to that aspect. So, so it's like, you know, we will agree to have the children a week here with mom and a week with dad, but should you get married dad then that will change and it will become xyz or you know those types of manipulative um playing out that you find i just would want us to kind of think about that and in our next mm -hmm. program we can talk about it also because i see very often you see this happening in communities or in in marriages in yes. amongst couples for them to think about it and then you know to be a part of the program in our next program okay. so for now i need to say thank you very much it was great to speak thank with you, you margaret and all the best thank you for your time in the evening okay well and thank you for having such a lovely service for your community it's my pleasure we you know we try to really speak to the needs of our community and certainly Divorce mediation is so needed. So thank you so much for the okay. service that you, um, you know, extend through FAMSA as well. And all the best. Good evening. Thank you. Good evening. So that then was Margaret Fulton of FAMSA. She's a family mediator and registered counsellor. We've started our four-part series on divorce mediation. It's been stunning. We're going through the different uh, processes within divorce mediation so that to inform you, but also so that you can be a part of our program, particularly in our next program. So for now, we kind of concluded that part of the program. I want to get to the question of the 26-year-old male who had um, sent a message to say that his girlfriend is now expecting a baby and the difficulty around the financial side, unemployment and wanting to be married. My, you know, my thoughts and, and thank you for sending in the message. I think it takes a lot of courage. Uh, you know to have sent in that message I'm really um, grateful for you to have uh, that you've done that perhaps the first step would be to speak with the family your family her family get together and and have a family meeting so that you can express the need of wanting to get married to your girlfriend, wanting to take on the responsibility um, of being married and, um, you know, having this baby born within a marriage, etc. So that you make those 
points um, and intentions known because they are beautiful intentions. And perhaps the family could then uh, come up with different options of assisting in ways that you might not have considered at this stage. So, so my thoughts are go with the conversation broader than just yourself and your girlfriend. Um, have a clear idea of what both of you feel about remaining unmarried and the baby gets born, etc. But if there is the clear intention of getting married, but it's, you know, you're stopping the marriage just for because of financial difficulties, perhaps it would be great to speak with others who might be able to suggest uh, different options that can be considered. I mean, sometimes there are options of, we, we know in certain communities, the husband could remain staying with his family and the wife with her family, particularly when she's pregnant and you want to give her a lot of assistance, but they get married and the there is a plan in place. So, you know, those are just of the thoughts that I have in the short time that I have to address or to respond to you. So I think I need to conclude my program. Just very, very quickly, information about myself is that I'm a registered clinical psychologist in private practice in the Goodwood area under the name Shahida Abrahams and contact details are 021-592-0563 that's 021-592-0563 and 083-233-4769 083-233-4769 from me Shahida Kali all the best I wish you well until I speak with you next week. Assalamu alaikum and good evening. Cape 91.3 FM stereo.